Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. There may be a desperate scramble to appoint a new prime minister a cost-of-living crisis and war in Europe. But in the last few days, wherever you've been in the country, there's one topic of conversation that's trumped all others. Heatwave. Glorious temperatures. Absolutely sizzling. Scorching summer days. Barely a wisp of cloud in the sky. Extreme and hot. We're a nation obsessed with the weather, but it's not every day that it makes headlines. For the first time ever in the UK, a red weather warning for extreme heat has come into effect across a large part of England. Temperatures could reach 40 degrees Celsius for the first time ever in the UK. We all love a bit of sun, but are we really ready for life at 35 degrees and hotter? These train tracks on a bridge in Battersea caught fire early this morning, causing disruption. In Lincolnshire, the high temperatures have caused a key RAF base to halt flights. There are warnings too about water use, especially in areas... Hospitals will be pushed over the next 48 hours. Some 111 control rooms have drafted in extra staff. The government has been holding crisis meetings, warning of a surge in NHS demand, as well as declaring a national emergency. It's my job to chair COBRA. It's my job to, to coordinate across government. We are now well coordinated. We're stood up. We're facing a difficult uh, 48 hours possibly. And that we hope and expect that people understand that it's going to be very hot. And how serious could that be? Right now, while it's hot, people will be dying. That's just a fact of it. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, heatwave. Why Britain's in meltdown. Quite jealous of your air conditioning right now. Yeah. <laughs> 
so hot. And so I didn't come in yesterday, which meant I was hotter at home. Yeah. But I could work in my shorts. <laughs> yesterday, we looked across the globe to Australia, which has been deluged by floods and wildfires. Today, we'll be turning the focus worldwide and closer to home. I'm Ben Spencer. I'm science editor of The Sunday Times. It feels like the whole world at the moment is going through a bit of a heat wave. Just give us a glimpse, if you were going across the places that are are the hottest at the moment, just how extreme these temperatures are compared to normal. Yeah, it's really hot. In China last week, for example, in the city of Chongqing, there were roofs literally melting. The bitumen, which keeps the roof tiles on, started to melt and all these roof tiles were popping and sliding off. Over the past two days, temperatures in parts of northwest Xinjiang region hit over 40 degrees Celsius. The highest reported temperature was 44.3 degrees. There's wildfires throughout Europe at the moment. Portugal enfrenta uma onda de calor com temperaturas Portugal. Temperaturas alcanzarán máximas de hasta 43 grados Celsius. Spain. Le feu de cime a déjà brûlé 10 hectares de pinède. 50 sapeurs pompiers. Déjà, ils attendent des renforts. We talk about 40 degree days, but that's becoming quite regular in continental Europe, it's getting very hot. In Canada and the US last summer, the temperatures reached 49.6. And to put that in context, the previous temperature in Canada was just 45 degrees. Dozens of people in the Vancouver area of Western Canada have died in an unprecedented heat wave. Police say they've responded to almost 70 sudden deaths since Monday. Most of those who died were elderly. And that surprised all the climate modelers. And what happened last year in North America was this big heat dome of trapped high pressure. So none of the air could kind of escape. And that could be the future of what we're looking at is really kind of a rapid escalation of what we've experienced until now. It's very, very hot in London. Right now we're expected to possibly breach 40 degrees in this week and the NHS is on alert. Matthew Taylor is Chief Executive of NHS Confederation, which represents health and ambulance trusts across England and Wales. Good afternoon. Hi. We've spoken to ambulance services that predict there'll be an increase of up to 20% in the number of call-outs they'll get. So we've got a health service out there, I'm afraid, which feels like it's in a midwinter crisis in the middle of July. Ben, just how do you define a heat wave? So it's quite... Um, specific to area but it's basically three days in a row of high temperature and that differs depending on area so in london it's three days of more than 28 degrees in scotland it's three days of more than 25 degrees so it really depends where you are in the country but at the moment we are firmly in a heat wave across the country And Ben, you know, for as long as I can remember, when we have a heat wave or when you just get those few days of summer when it's properly hot, everybody thinks it's almost apocalyptic. We we suddenly don't really know how to cope. It's too hot to get onto tubes. It's too hot to sleep at night. 
But this does feel different to normal, doesn't it? I mean, you talked about roofs melting in China. That doesn't normally happen of a summer. What's going on? Why is it so hot? It's a difference between weather and climate. We've always had hot summers. In China, it always gets hot. But to go above 40 degrees is rare. We've always had hot summers in the UK. 1976 was the classic example, which some of our listeners might remember. When rationing began only three weeks ago, the Southwest Water Authority forecast it would last for several months. It would end only when the almost empty reservoirs were half full again. Three months, pretty much, of high heat. And we've always had weather fluctuations. But the difference now is with climate change, these hot summers are becoming more frequent and they're becoming more intense. The five hottest days in the UK recorded have all taken place since 1990. And three of them since 2015. The highest temperature ever recorded in the UK was 38.7, recorded in July 2019 in Cambridge. And we could breach that this week. If global warming progresses at its most extreme, there's various projections, but the worst of those projections, we're going to have 40-degree days every three years, probably by the end of the century. We've had heat waves, milder than now, but still heat waves. We've kind of already known that we're not very good at coping with them. Some trains have been cancelled as temperatures soar, with network rail saying in serious cases, railway tracks could buckle in the extreme heat and therefore speed restrictions would be in place. In some of the schools, it'll mean closing some of the rooms. In some of the schools, it might mean closing early today. What is it about our infrastructure? Are we prepared for these temperatures, particularly on such a regular basis? No, we're not at all. We still think of ourselves as a cold country. And of course, we are a cold country in the winter. But in the summer, we get hot. We get regular heat waves. We had two heat waves last summer. And when we do get these heat waves, they're seen as glorious weather, time to get outdoors. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what the health experts and the climate experts are saying is we need to start to think of them as dangerous to an extent. Mm. And we need to change our behavior, not go out in the middle of the day, not go for a 20-mile hike when it's going to be 37 degrees. But, yeah, our infrastructure is just not set up for it. I mean, take the way we build our city centres. You know, our office blocks are made of glass. We basically have built city centres, which are giant greenhouses, and we rely on huge amounts of air conditioning to cool them down. If we didn't have air conditioning, you couldn't step inside these buildings. It would be absolutely unlivable. And interestingly... We kind of forgotten the lessons of the past. When the Crystal Palace was built in Hyde Park in, in 1851, Joseph Paxton, who was the architect, he was actually a horticulturalist. And he knew that if you step into a greenhouse in the middle of summer, you're going to get hot. So the Crystal Palace was actually built with a canvas shade over the whole building. People don't remember that. When the first skyscrapers went up in New York and Chicago in the late 19th century, early 20th century, mm. they had awnings over the windows. Shade was important because they knew 
that ah. if you weren't going to get hot, you had to shade from the sun because sun going through glass heats up a room very quickly. And we've forgotten that. All our skyscrapers now don't have shades. When we build bifold doors on our trendy kitchen extension, if they're south-facing, they're going to get hot unless you put some shade on it. That's so interesting. I mean, why do you think we've forgotten that? Because you're right, you know, if you think of even New York, you're more used to seeing awnings, or you were, whereas now we just have these sort of these enormous glass towers. It's because air conditioning was invented 120 years ago and it's very effective, so we can get away with it. But it's a time when energy prices are soaring, a time when energy use is a massive driver of our global greenhouse gas emissions. It's not sustainable. We can't afford to do that. The International Energy Agency predicts that by 2050, our use of air conditioning will have tripled. Air conditioning already accounts for 10% of all our electricity use globally. I mean, that's a huge amount. I mean, it's mad. It does seem like we're only surviving this heat by using more air conditioning, which is just making the world hotter. Yeah, I mean, and there are ways to build houses without it. I mean, you look at Tuscan farmhouses or houses in the south of France, they all have shutters on the outside. Blinds on the inside are quite good, but it's much better to stop the sun before it gets to the glass. Building your homes and offices out of stone or even concrete, these heavy materials have a high thermal mass. And what that means is that they absorb the heat during the day and then release it again at night. That's why if you go into a church or into a farmhouse, it's quite cool with stone flags, stone walls. The buildings we're putting up now are basically steel frames sheathed in glass. Coming up, how can we build smarter for a hotter future? And just how deadly can heat waves be? That's after a quick message from a colleague. I'm Kat Lay, health editor at The Times. Our health coverage spans everything from how the way we live can raise or lower our risk of diseases, to advances in medical treatment, to the problems facing the NHS and their potential solutions. We can only do this thanks to the subscribers of The Times and Sunday Times. Subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The more we sort of develop and the more cities grow, we just seem to be putting up endless, incredibly tall glass towers. What, what's going wrong? They actually tried to ban skyscrapers in New York in um, 2019. The, the then mayor tried to ban skyscrapers with no effect. I mean, there are ways to mitigate. In Abu Dhabi, there's there's towers which have shutters on the outside, which kind of automatically open and close as the sun's on them. So, you know, some oh, of wow. these old design concepts are still in use. Passive houses, which are these highly thermally efficient eco-houses, are actually very effective. How do they work? In the winter, they work by using just heat that's generated by people and by, say, the machinery in your kitchen, your washing machine, for example, by storing that heat. So they don't need very much external heating. You don't need a gas boiler roaring away to heat your radiators because they just store all that energy. Um, They're basically airtight, but they also have mechanical ventilation. So in the summer, when it gets too hot, you can get rid of the heat very quickly. And they're orientated so that, for example, a big expanse of glass isn't south-facing. But the concept used in these very high-standard passive houses have kind of worked its way down to new builds that are built on the edge of cities, you know, big estates of new-build houses, which use some of the same concepts for energy efficiency so that you don't have massive heating bills in the winter. But the bits that they've chopped out is the ventilation, the shading, the orientation. So we're basically creating homes which are going to be overheated in the summer for some time to come unless we start to really change the way we think about buildings. Is there almost a lag in people who design buildings in this country really understanding that this is the new normal? We are just going to have really hot summers in the future because, I mean, it was only a few years ago that you saw some of these glass towers in London being built that just didn't even seem to understand the effect they could have when when it got very hot. Just remind us what happened with the walkie-talkie building. We talked about the interior of a glass building heating up, but there's also the glare effect. And that's what happened with the walkie-talkie, is the way that this curved glass facade reflected the light and it was kind of melting objects. The heat was so intense where where the light landed on the streets it was damaging cars damaging the street it is the hottest i have ever felt in london it's all because of that building beside me jim watterson is a reporter on city am he has just cooked that egg on a frying pan on the streets of london if you just look like pointing magnifying glass at something and and letting it set on fire 
Exactly. And you see it when you're, you know, walking around cities, you get the glare in your eyes from these buildings. So yeah, that's unintended consequences of the way we build at the moment. But it's also about the way we actually design entire cities. You know, there's a lot of concrete, there's mm. a lot of asphalt and tarmac on the roads, which heat up, it's, everything's black, and it absorbs the heat. And you have this urban heat effect where you basically have these heat islands, which are up to 10 degrees hotter than surrounding countryside in some areas. You do often feel that in cities. It does feel like it just everything's so closed in. It does feel hotter than it does out, out in the country. Yeah, I mean, this week walking around London, I just felt that the heat radiating off the street. Yeah. And if you walked into a park, it, it immediately feels cooler. So you can use nature to mitigate against that. More trees for shading, more green spaces. Water's very effective. Canals, rivers, lakes have very effective cooling mechanisms. Are there cities who get this right? I mean, are there cities we could learn from? Singapore's famous for using nature well. So growing plants up buildings, growing plants on streets, having green walls, green roofs is very effective. To create a more interesting city landscape, various types of flowering climbers and new species of ornamental plants have been recently introduced. At locations like this flyover at Jalan Torpayo and around these lampposts along East Coast Parkway. But then you, you introduce another problem, which is you need to water them, which, um, you know, at a time of uh. global water crisis, you've got to take that into account. I mean, I can't keep to my tomatoes in my garden alive at the moment. So <sighs> imagine having to keep your insulation on the outside of your house or on your green roof alive. Yeah, we are a country of hosepipe bands. It doesn't sound, doesn't sound like the, the solution for us, maybe. Ben, I mean, ultimately, I suppose this comes back to, you know, it's not just that we all feel uncomfortable when it's this hot and the design just isn't helping us, it's making life harder. But there are actually real risks of this sort of heat and of being exposed to it. Yeah, I mean, roughly 1,000 to 3,000 people die every year from heat in England. So last summer, there were two heat waves and 1,634 people died during those heat waves. They were what we call excess deaths. Now, most of those were aged 65 and over. So out of 1,600, 1,470 were aged 65 and over. So we're really talking about vulnerable people dying and people with pre-existing conditions like asthma, heart disease. These are the people really at risk and also young babies as well. Right now, while it's hot, people will be dying. That's just a fact of it. And we don't see these as natural disasters because it's time to go to the beach, time to have an ice cream, time to have a barbecue. Whereas we see storms, for example, as major natural disasters. And the Met Office has been naming storms for the last seven years in order to raise awareness. And there's there's an argument that perhaps we should start naming heatwaves so people view them in a different way. And Ben, in this country, we know that there are severe weather emergency responses. We're very worried about the NHS. We've heard that there's actually a cobra that's met for the first time 
to draw up plans for what happens in a national heat wave. And, you know, you mentioned that this is the difference between weather and climate. This is a proper shift in the general trend, which is a question of climate. Do you think there is a realisation now? Do you think there's a change in perception about just how serious climate change is, even to a country like ours? Yeah, I think so. I think in the last few years and in the last five years, there's been a big shift. I don't think there's many climate denialists out there in the mainstream anymore. But there's there's still a debate going on about what we do about it. I mean, we see in the Tory leadership race at the moment, some questions being raised about the drive to net zero. Although when the net zero law was passed in 2019, not a single MP opposed it in the House of Commons, but some of the Tory candidates are now questioning that. But having said that, these issues are always a debate and they always raise quite strong opinions. And that will continue to be the case, especially as the impact on us as individuals, as a society, gets bigger and bigger. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, the science editor for The Sunday Times, Ben Spencer. You can find all of Ben's work at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription or in print on Sundays. The producer today was Sam Chantarasak. The executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by David Crackles. And since it's obligatory to end all communications at the moment with the words, hope you're staying cool, well, I hope you are. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Tomorrow.